Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, and a very, very warm welcome back, a roasting welcome back to you, whoever you are, wherever you are, across the world. This is Cop On. We're back. Season five of Cop On is upon us. This is the first episode. Um, I've absolutely loved it so far. These five years, meeting loads of great people. I've got a couple of people on the call today. Uh, we've got Reese. we've got Jack. We're going to talk about Man United. We're going to preview uh, the big game on Tuesday. It's coming up. But I just want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners, all of our viewers, everybody who's gotten involved in Cop On. Um, we're still if you want to chuck us the price of a coffee, it's on patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast. But you're all absolutely welcome, uh, whether you're a cheapskate or not. Um, I'd like to start with a poem because I haven't haven't done a poem uh, for a while. We're going to start the in the way that we mean to go on with cop on this season. And it's a beautiful poem for the for coming back Um for this new season in preparation, it's called Dawn Revisited by Rita Dove. And it goes like this. Imagine you wake up with a second chance. The blue jay hawks his pretty wares and the oak still stands, spreading glorious shade. If you don't look back, the future never happens. How good to rise in sunlight, in the prodigal smell of biscuits, egg and sausage on the grill. The whole sky is yours to write on, blown open to a blank page. Come on, shake a leg. You'll never know who's down there frying those eggs if you don't get up and see. Jack and Reese, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Reese, I'm going to start with you because I find the most fascinating story of all clubs uh, in in you know this summer is is Manchester United's story. Eric Ten Hag has arrived, as some wise person on Twitter wrote. Manchester United are going to need at least twenty Hag. Um, what are your first impressions of uh, Eric Eric Legrand? Eric, I don't know how you say Legrand in Dutch. Um, and how the devil are you? First of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen you two fine gentlemen despite the clubs you support, had to get that in there. Um, but all, all in all, it's um, it's a privilege to be back on here with you guys. A good laugh. And I'm actually very excited from two perspectives. One, I've watched a fair bit of his, his teams, both the team that went to the Champions League semi-finals four years ago and then got torn apart. They should have played Liverpool in the final, in my opinion. And the team that played very well last year that set records for a Dutch team like in terms of like the league and how, it, how they set forward I thought it was great but on a different perspective though like you can only watch what you can watch so I only watched like what 10-15 games Ajax last year give or take but it was mostly in the Champions League a few games in the league I watched the last couple of games of the season I watched the Dutch Cup final which I was quite surprised they lost really but I think that's I was actually this might sound a little bit controversial as a Man United fan, but I was actually more intrigued by the defeat than the win because I was actually, I wanted to see how he would have responded to the circumstance. Not just losing a big final, but obviously losing to your main rivals in the final like competition, like obviously the Dutch Cup, where you could have won the double. And a lot of people were saying, well, could this be where Ajax collapse? He's agreed to join Man United. He's just lost the cup final while they go and bottle the league. But no, he actually maintained himself as a manager. He kept his team focused, kept them, kept them gunning, kept them going. And obviously, at the end of the season, they were crowned champions for thirty fifth time. I think it's great on that on that sense. So yeah, from that from that sense, I'm very excited. But from a limited point of view, in terms of like last season, 10 to 15 games, I only watched a couple of games when they got to the the semi finals that year, 2018-19. There's two sides to the team that he's built, so I'm looking forward to that. So in, in a in an honest opinion, I'm both intrigued and excited. 
Well, very interesting. Gary's in the chat already saying United are a shambles. Ten Hagendaz has failed already. I don't know. Jack from the outside. I mean, Ten Hag, he's, he, I think his credentials are very good. I think if I were Reese, I would be excited to see what he can do, Jack. But the, uh, you know, the, the, the be all and end all from, from last season, you know, last season, the Premier League table is in front of me right here. United finished on sixth. They finished 35 points from the top and 23 points from relegation in sixth place. Um, I don't know. They scored 57 compared to Liverpool, who scored 94, and Manchester City, who scored 99, and they conceded 57. Uh, whereas, which is the you know, which was the worst in the top seven, and Liverpool only conceded 26, and Manchester City only conceded 26. So, 10 hag, how many hags are they going to need, Jack? Yeah, it's interesting that he's, as we said, he's a, it seems like he from an outside point of view, looks like more of a disciplinarian in relation to how he does speak to his players and his time at Ajax. He's not a manager that suffers fools gladly in reality, but you've seen Medinho struggle. Um, I know a lot of people have different opinions on, on Jose Medinho in terms of the last 10 years, in terms of how he's developed and probably not evolved his style of football, but... Jose said all those years ago, it was probably his greatest achievement, finishing second with those group of players. It, it won't happen over time. I've already spoken to Rizzo over the last couple of months, back end of last year as well. The, the, the quality of player has got to drastically improve. But obviously, it'll be interesting to see in this pre-season game and obviously the, the, the weeks and months to come, how they do change and the attitude changes on the pitch. Because I think as much as me and Owen and, and Liverpool fans, we enjoyed it, but it was quite obvious from an outside point of view that the, the attitude levels, and it's quite remarkable that we're speaking about attitude levels at a, a club in terms of the, how big and the stature of in world football that Man United are, that you've got players just walking around the pitch. And the, I think we'll probably speak about Ronaldo a bit later, but I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction if he does leave the football club. Because uh, I don't think anyone has actually understood the the signing um, of Ronaldo back to Manchester United all those months ago. So, yeah, um, I'm intrigued, mate, but it won't happen over time. I think United fans do intelligent enough, or all of them anyway, that it, it's not going to happen overnight. But I think it's a step in the right direction for them. Let's talk about Ronaldo right now, because it is intriguing, isn't it? I mean, you, you, Jack said that it would be great for the club if um, he moved on. Um, Reese, would you would you agree with that sentiment? And would um, you know also who, if so, like who would have him? Who would pay the, that five hundred grand a week that he's on? I don't think many clubs would. I've seen people suggesting football clubs, like people are thinking Bayern Munich. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> Excuse the language, but no, like Bayern Munich won't take him. It compromises. As a football player, I love Ronaldo. I think. In terms of what he brings to a team, he brings a winning mentality. Yes, his ego at times is hard to control, but he guarantees you certain things. He guarantees you a winner and he guarantees you goals. But that's not what Bayern Munich are about. Bayern Munich aren't about the individual. Bayern Munich are about the collective. So I don't see him going there. I think Bayern Munich have already made the perfect signing for me. I think the best signing Bayern Munich have made all summer, actually two of them, one was... Stand by Nagelsmann, and two, bring in Sadio Mane. For me, that was the perfect signing they could have ever made, bar Lewandowski in 2012. Like that is for me the perfect signing in terms of an attacking sense. It makes a lot of sense to them because he is a collective player. Goals, assists, runs for the team. He'll break his own body just to eliminate Mo Salah from the World Cup and win the African Cup of Nations. Sorry, let's just have to bring that up. But. <laughs> That's what he's about, though. He is team first, individual second. And I think that makes more sense to Bayern Munich than signing Ronaldo. Well, I don't yes. think he go. PSG, sorry to interrupt, but PSG don't want him. Like no one else true. wants no one else no one else wants wants Ronaldo who who can pay apart from maybe Chelsea because he'll shift a few shirts, but it doesn't make sense for them either, really, does it? I don't think it does either. I think Chelsea should stick to the false nine approach. 
personally. I think it makes more sense to them. I think I think Chelsea next season should play Kai Havertz in the central role. Or, st- or God forbid, give Timo Werner an actual chance. Play him the way he's supposed to be played. They, they basically ruined them. Well, Frank Lampard ruined them. But give him, a, give him a fair chance. He actually is a very good pressing forward. And the way Thomas Tuchel plays is about, pres- about possession, holding the ball, quick counter-attack and play. He's perfect for the role. I just don't get what the... I think it's because he's not English. No offence like to the Chelsea fans, but they've got a clear. Some of them have a clear attitude towards them, and I don't think it's. I think it's purely from where he comes from, because it's, it's it's a damn shame, really, in my opinion. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. But no, but, but, but under, let's say, let's say for example, sorry, sorry, Reese. Let's say for example, no one wants to buy Ronaldo. Then yeah. what's what's going to happen? He's going to be he's going to be stuck on the bench. I mean, do you reckon Ten Hag would would drop him? You know, in order to play like you know, uh, with uh, with eleven players who can run. Yeah, I think purely if he does stick around at Man United, there has to be there has to be plans put in place for him. Controls like, for example, not starting every single game, whether he wants to or not. Like that has to change. There has to be it has to be the team first. Like Tenag has to settle that has to be the team first over the individual. I wouldn't mind them playing in the big games, like games against Liverpool, games against Man City, the Arsenal games, Chelsea, because at least he has an he can have an influence, whether it be the right influence or the wrong influence. He still has that that spark where he will chase a defender. He will want to test himself, like he will test himself against Van Dijk. He'll want to pressure him as much as he can. If it's up against Chelsea, he'll want to put the pressure on the likes of Thiago Silva. He'll want to force Kante to come at him to suck in the midfield. With Arsenal, it's a totally different ball game for them now as well, like the way they're developing under Artel. It'd be interesting to see what sort of... I think from an Arsenal fan's perspective, they would want Ronaldo to test them as well because it sees where their young defenders are coming from. But in games where it's like maybe a West Ham or... And Aston Villa, even Everton now, like I don't want him playing in those games because I would rather those are the perfect games where Ten Hag's style can actually blossom and develop. Where he is going to come against different styles, but he has to adapt to the Premier League. Ronaldo isn't going to be that player for the next two years. You need to have a young forward line. And those games would be perfect for me where he doesn't play. I wouldn't play him in the Europa League either. Unless it was the Europa League final, if we got to the final, I would play him then because at least it's something where he can get his hands on that on our trophy. I wouldn't play him in the build-up to that. I would play someone else. But that's what I would do. For, I don't think he's going to leave Man United, but I think I do agree with Jack, though. Like We went from 73 goals the year before to 57 this year. It's not all his fault, but every single chance, goal-scoring opportunity pretty much went through him. The team just decided not to do enough. I don't know if it's because it's just Ronaldo's presence or it was the ego or purely, well, we've got the greatest goal scorer of all time. What's the point in us trying now? Which for me is insulting. Even if Ronaldo's there, you should still want to score goals. You should still want your influence and your presence to be reflected. So for me, right or wrong, I can see why Jack would think it's a good reason for him to go. And I agree. I don't think he's going to leave, though. But I think if he doesn't leave, controls definitely have to be put in place. Excellent answer. Thank you very much. Um, Doug is here from the Dugout Football Channel. Doug, the newly married Doug. Congratulations, Doug. Welcome to the chat here. Gary Richards says uh, Ronaldo will be on the first plane out of Manchester. Um, And Alan brings up a good point here because he says Ten Hag must have realised by now that players don't want to go to United. He's going to need a few years. And I think that's a really interesting point, Jack. The, the pulling power of Manchester United, I mean, they they distanced themselves from, from Darwin Nunes saying that they were never interested. If you believe that, I'm not sure I believe that uh, because, you know, anyone who watched Darwin Nunes last season against Barcelona or whatever, you know, choose a match against Liverpool, he was fantastic. He, he, he was, uh, you know, pulling up trees. He was juggling them. He was ripping them apart with his bare hands and then he was uh, munching them down. He, he's, he, he's an absolute animal that, and, you'd be, and you'd be, you know, silly to suggest that he wouldn't improve any team, including Manchester United. So I'm not sure that they weren't inter- interested in Darwin. Uh, Frankie de Jong has distanced himself from, from Manchester United. And 
there's something about the pulling power of Manchester United. Who, like, is it something that you would be concerned about if you were if you were a Man United fan, Jack? This pulling power. Well, it's, it's great when you've got Ferguson for the best part of what twenty plus years. He basically does the pulling power for you, regardless of mm -hmm. what club you are. If you're winning trophies, but we found ourselves in a very similar position under Rodgers, um, pre Jurgen Klopp as well. We were attracting Berinis, the Ricky Lamberts, uh, and certain caliber players to an extent of that. And the time under Roy Hodgson as well. It, it's an accumulation of a lot of factors, really, in terms of your recruitment policy, uh, regardless of whatever club that is, and in terms of obviously your on field. It levels and performances in reality as well. Um, it will eventually come, but I think the main thing for Manchester United is how they prioritise if they go deep into the competition in the Europa League, especially how the back end of next, this coming season does end up. Similar with with our, obviously Arsenal, they 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 needed to get to win the Europa League or the competition that they were in was last year, whoever it was at the back end of last year anyway. And they missed out on Champions League football as well. So, yeah, if I was a player, I think all of us, regardless of our club colours, you wouldn't want to go to Manchester United. And as we've spoke about Ronaldo there, Reese was bang on in terms of, yes, he's a world-class player. There's no doubt in that. And we've been privileged to watch him for the last 20-plus years anyway, playing at such a consistent high level. He's only got probably what three, four years left in his in in the tank, um, and he wants to play at the high level. But Ten Hag, the fact that Man United are going into this game against Liverpool and their big signing, was it a left back? Of these like is it is it that new new fella? He's a left at the back. moment, yeah, yeah, Malacca, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tyrell Malassia, his name is. Yeah, he's or Malakia. Yeah. He's a yeah left back. Yeah, Dutch yeah. from the Feyenoord youth system. Carry on. Yeah, yeah no, sorry, man. It was just the, the that's it. Like Man United's big summer sign is a left back, and it, it just highlights obviously the position in which they are in. But I think this could have a, a beneficial factor in terms of the next coming years because the priority over the last couple of years has been United by big targets. What United need to do is just get a good foundation of, of quality players that actually want to play in a in a Ten Hag system and most importantly play for Manchester United. And then I think it will help in the long term. Yes, they're not signing big players because we've seen in recent, the last couple of years, that's not helped. Not not not, not just United, but like to buy Munich and a, not buy Munich, here, Barcelona and Chelsea even to an extent as well. So buying big doesn't always necessarily big performances on the pitch anyway. And um, it's it's remarkable, obviously, the business Liverpool and City have done. Um thing with City, though, is they can go out and sign a player. If he doesn't turn out, they go and sign another player. And if he doesn't turn out, they go and sign another player. So, yeah, but Liverpool's pulling power wasn't always there pre-Jürgen Klopp. Um, obviously, it helped under the, the Champions League nights at Rafford. And we had that bit of the, the character dangle in terms of players coming to the football club. But... Yeah, it, it's a, it's an evolution of of certain football clubs that every player in the modern era wants to play Champions League football, and not everyone can offer that to to top top players. So that's why Reese. I mean, it's a very good point. Thank you, Jack. I, I mean, but that's why if I if I was a United fan, ugh, um, I would uh, excuse me. Um, I would um, I would. Be a little bit excited about about Tyra Malakia or Malassia because that would be the kind of profile that I would be going for. Someone who's twenty two years old. Uh, well, he's just about to turn twenty three on August the seventeenth, but he's 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 a young player. He's got a lot to prove. He'll be hungry. He 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 will know that he, you know he's got a chance to make a name for himself, and he will come with enthusiasm to the club. He won't be. You know, an old hat. Um, you know, some, some someone like a, like a Cavani, who's who's achieved um, a lot already in his career. And if he achieves anything at Manchester United, then fantastic. But if he doesn't, so what? Yeah. You, you move on. You move back to Montevideo. You you drink some mate uh, tea, and and you'll be happy enough. Um, with this kind of profile, like Tyrell, like uh, you know, is that is that something that, that's that's a positive for you, Reese, moving forward? I think so. 
um, purely from the sense that I don't mind United bringing in world class or attempting to bring in world class players. I, I don't have a problem with that, but it isn't always working. Like it doesn't always work. So I think for United purely, I agree with what Jack said. I think Jack nailed nailed on the head. It's about players that actually want to play for the club, but it's also players that fit the profile. We only have at best maybe two or three system players, and Ten Hag is a system manager. And I think ideally we do need more, but there are some players in this club that are astronomically bad, but they're going to get picked week on week because they actually they listen, they do as they're told, and they actually get on with a job. Like I don't rate Scott McTominay, don't rate him, but he is picked consistently because he actually does what he's asked. And I think that's something that is telling for a club. Like James Milner isn't the best football player in England. He isn't the best player in the Liverpool squad. But he gets picked ahead of players like Naby Keita for a reason. Does his job and he's reliable. And I think United more more or less like going forward will bring in better technical players. But we do need players that do fit the profile that will work hard though that brings a different edge. But it's also a different way of scouting for United going forward. I think a profile in terms of Malaysia is different. It's not something United have done in a very long time. And I think that's very smart recruitment going forward. I think Unfortunately, he's not going to be at the game on Tuesday. He's not even going to. He's not even going to be in the preseason, like the first preseason tour in Bangkok. But he might be there in Australia. Christian Eriksen has been one that people are being like, "Why is United making this move? He's a thirty-year-old midfielder." Well, there's a reason why we're picking him. He's a brilliant technical playmaker, and United don't have a lot of good quality players like that. And it's something that we are lacking fundamentally in the system. It's somebody who can come in. Make it easier for my creative sense because even last year, the amount of corners we had before we finally scored one was flaming atrocious. Somebody can actually give us some from a set piece. Someone who can bring a ball from deep, can play a long ball or can play it short, but it's also very effective. Somebody's actually not afraid to get stuck in as well. And that's that's something in Christian Eriksen that I really like. And that's for me, is something going forward is the profile of player scouting. And Malassia, I think, is a step in the right direction, but in all honesty, it's not enough. I won't deny it. it's not enough, but we do need more. I, I, by now, I was expecting at least three signings for the Liverpool game. We're not even going to get that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, from the outside, it's yeah. clear. It's clear you need more. I mean, the midfield, the midfield. Uh, I mean, okay, you, you've done well to get rid of Matic. Finally, um, you've also gotten rid of Juan Mata. Finally, Paul Pogba. Ooh, that what a relief that must be for you. Reese, that he's he's finally gone. The I'm circus. always 50 50 on him. I'm always 50 50. Like Jack will give him that. Like, as a, te- as a player, brilliant in terms of what he can offer to a football team, he's brilliant. But there's so much circus behind him. And I'm like, if that had been reined in a lot more, it would have been so much better. But it's never going to be. I think he's one of the most talented midfielders with the ball at his feet. Definitely. Um, you know, he can he can open doors and he can do this, but it's it's all of the rest of it that, that I've never been impressed with with Pogba. You know, he jogs around, he's you know, positionally he gets lost. When when he won the World Cup with France, I mean they had Kante and they had uh Matuidi uh, around him and, and and with players like that around him, yes, he can be a deadly player, but yeah. With with when it's uh, Fred and McTominay, it's, it's uh, not you know Fred yeah. and Wilmer, man. You may as well put Fred and Wilmer there. Um, Pretty much. But, <laughs> for the preseason, from a Liverpool point of view, let's talk about Liverpool for the moment uh, with Jack because it's preseason. It's upon us, um, which is really exciting. Who are you most excited to see, Jack? Could be Fabio Carvalho for me, Mason. Obviously, Darwin Nunes. Spend all that money on him. You're hoping that he, he has that desired impact. I was very fortunate to be in the ground last season. I know it was a 95 plus minute game that I was in, but analysing that, I was in the cops. So I was in quite close what he was doing on a football pitch. And I've not seen a player come to Anfield and do what he'd done. Um, I was like, I come out the ground and speaking to all you on the post match shows. I was like, I was saying to my dad and, and, and Connor as well, I was like, we need to put a bid in here. And that was months ago. I was just like, keep an eye on him because what you don't want to be doing is similar with obviously when Haaland, when he was at Salzburg, then he's went to buy it, uh, Borussia Dortmund, sorry, and now he's at Manchester City. You don't really, you try and want to get that player before he makes that big jump. 
to an elite like right, to the to the world stage. And I think I'm hoping that is the case for Nunes. I don't think the price tag would be an issue, but um his goal record, especially last season, was quite phenomenal. He offers Liverpool what we've been lacking in terms of just a a fox in the box. Someone's got that he's got everything in his in his locker, really. A good aerial presence, technically all right in the six yard box as well. And for someone so tall, he's really quick. Um, and that's something that really Liverpool haven't got. We haven't really replaced Suarez or Torres back back all those years ago anyway. So obviously Jota will have an amazing season, I think, again. But uh, Carvalho, mate, Fabio coming in from Fulham, uh, I think five, seven million. I think potentially, even if he's half as good as Felipe Coutinho all those years ago, I think we've got a really good player. Not their city and say I've, I've watched all of Fulham's games last season because they haven't, but judging from obviously the clips, he, he, he likes by the, it looks like he likes to pick up the pockets of space, drives in in the in behind the back line as well. And he's obviously got an eye for goal and, and he's got a good shot from outside the box. Um, be interesting to see where we do deploy him if he's in that left hand, left 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 hand side of midfield three. Um, but I don't think he's predominantly a number ten for Fulham. He was last season, but uh, probably Nunes and Fabio really for me, mate. It's a great answer. I mean, lots of people are talking about um, you know Liverpool switching to four two three one. Uh, with Thiago and, and Fabinho as as the two holding midfielders. And then, you know, you've got, for example, Firmino, Salah, uh, Diaz and Darwin Nunes. Uh, you could swap Firmino in that system with, with Fabio Carvalho. Um, and, other, and, and the kids, you know, to watch uh, Harvey Elliott uh, come through. I'm really excited to see him. Really excited to see if, if Cade Gordon's back uh, and, and he can push on and... I'm excited to see everyone, to be honest, because, I mean, after the Champions League final, um, I was there. It was absolutely fucking horrible uh, as, uh, you know, someone I, I felt like even though I was very lucky compared to lots of people who were also there, I felt you know, mildly traumatized by it. But now I'm sort of back to normal. And, uh, you know, although it affected a little bit my enthusiasm for football now when i look forward to uh tuesday's game and i see it on the official website it's coming up is at thailand's national stadium on tuesday 3 p.m uk time kickoff and yes the old juices are still flowing um reese what about you who are you excited to see from a united perspective on tuesday Good question. Um, <laughs> Try and be positive. I'll be. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll be. I'll be honest with you. I'm more looking. For, I'm not looking forward to seeing who's on the field. I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they just play in general. I wanted to see like just from the start initially, just seeing where we're at. As I'm not going to get carried away. We're not going to go and play total football within two weeks, and we're going to absolutely tear Liverpool apart five 0 We're not. We're not going to do that. But. I want to see where we are in terms of a pressing, like in terms of pressing with and without the ball. I'm looking forward to seeing how we are, like quickly, like one, two touch passing as well. And also, I just want to see how the fullbacks are going to play with the wingers because it's something that didn't really work last year was the connection between them didn't click. And also, our back four wasn't consistent next year. I want to see a consistent back four. And if we can at least do that in the preseason games, even like one or two changes, like at the right times, especially against Liverpool. Like, I think substitutions are going to be key. But just how we do it. And I'd like to see a few of the younger players play, like Zidane Iqbal. I'd love to see uh, Jimmy Garner get a game against you guys again because he was brilliant in the FA Cup. I'd be all for seeing, like, how Martial plays. I think Martial's going to play up top, personally. And I just want to see if he's actually ready to go because I'm a bit hit and miss with Martial. I have been for quite some time, but he still, he still can deliver a brilliant performance when he wants to he can still bring it produce an elegant piece of skill and well we all remember his first goal against Liverpool well I do anyway and I want to see this year the key for me this year I think the one player that really has to do a lot more just to showcase that he isn't a flop or he isn't a waste of money is Sancho I think he's still a fantastic player but last year wasn't the best introduction to Premier League football and I think a proper pre-season a good relaxed time for him. He's put the work in and training. Let's just see where it goes. Mirren, to be fair, best best game to start pre-season, to be fair, is against your greatest rivals. 
I don't care what anyone says. Like, if you really want to start pre-season, you get your biggest rival first. And the fact that we have got Liverpool right at the start and we end it with Atletico Madrid, I'm all right with that. And I think this is perfect. Contrasting styles, we'll see how Ten Hag adapts. I'm more looking forward to that than, than players, really. It's about where the training's come so far and where it develops. It's a great answer. Um, but I'm curious as to what United's strongest team would be, Reece. So, so you've, got, you've got to help me out here because De Gea in goal, obviously. Dean Henderson's gone to Nottingham Forest on loan. Yeah. De Gea is still the best goalkeeper you've got. Okay. Um, in defence, then, the new guy at left back, uh, presumably, or would you stick with Shaw? Or I think since he's only just joined... I think since he's only just joined the club, I don't think any chemistry has built fully yet. So if anything, I would start with Shaw and then bring Molassi on in the second half. Maybe it would bang on at half time, do like a a full field rotation of the back four at half time, maybe because it, it tends to happen anyway in preseason games anyway. Okay. I would I would start with Shaw because it's more likeliness. I think centre backs going to go on a limp. I prefer Lindelof. I always have, but I think back four, I think it'll be Maguire and Varane. I think okay. I think that, I think Ten Hag is going to go with Maguire to see really, I think the key thing for this Liverpool game is how Maguire actually captains the side because at the minute we haven't really seen what the, the decision is going to be about who the captain is. If Maguire can actually showcase something in this game from a leadership perspective, he will remain Man United captain, I think. And then at right back, he seems to be favouring Dallo. He's given him full of praise. For me, I would go Wambasaka personally. I think we need somebody on that, that defensive side that can tuck in and who is actually able to defend. I don't Dallo is going forward far more effective than Wambasaka, far more effective. But from a defensive side, God almighty. It's like having a Ferrari with a four car engine. He doesn't track enough for me <laughs> defensively to do it. And it gives me the fear. I would rather have Wambasaka to go up against whoever plays on the left wing for Liverpool. It's probably going to be Diaz. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't surprise me if it is, really. He scares the living hell out of me. Midfield. I see us going the same system as you. 4-2-3-1. I think midfield, I would go... I think Van der Beek's going to start. And I would put I would put Garner beside him. I don't think this, even though Fred McTominay's energy and all these gate, big games they always play, I wouldn't. I bring them off the bench. I would start with Garner as a more natural uh, defensive midfield player. And Van der Beek is used to his system, his style of play, so it makes more sense. And then ahead of them, I'd play I play Sancho on the right side. I play Fernandez as a ten. Not obvious example, obvious choice. And I put Marcus Rashford on the left. And then up front, I would play Martial. I think realistically, that is our best 11 right now until we see something else come through. If, if Eriksen is available for any further games, great. I'd have him straight in midfield anyway. But at the moment, I think that is probably our best. Unless we put Martial on the left and Rashford through the middle. But that's all we've got, really. Gosh. I mean, Reese, you need yeah. some signings, man. We so do. We so do. I mean, Jack, we, if, if we, I mean, yeah. who are we going to line up against that lot? We, we got, we're going to put either Allison or Queeve in goal. Yeah, I think and Ali's then, on, on holiday, I think, in Brazil. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll probably be Callagher. Um, obviously, new lad Jacob Ramsey. Uh, trends, Kelvin uh, Ramsey. Uh, yeah, Kelvin Ramsey. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Matip, um, Joe Gomez off the back of his new contract. Um yeah. Andy Robbo's back, I think he is. Yeah, yeah, I think he was travelling today and he so potentially yeah. should be back full fitness. I think we're more or less full strength, really, mate. Uh, Joss has just yeah. proposed to his um his his missus. Oh, um, yes, is he? so uh, he's going to be on a high. <laughs> so, uh, Every footballer is getting hitched. Yeah, must be bored in the summer. He needs something to do anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, always get married in the off season. That's what Shanky yeah. always said, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. okay, um, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so we got Jota, we got Diaz, we got Nunes, we got Carvalho, we got uh, Cade Gordon, as I said, Harvey Elliott, as I said, Curtis Jones, mm. um, Tiago Henderson. Man, we're gonna stuff you, Reese. I'm sorry. 
Sorry, but it's going to be... I'm I'm not American. This would have been Thanksgiving too early. <laughs> I mean, wow. Um, but uh, yeah. anyway, we've got some comments coming in. We've got... Um, uh, Brian's joining us from 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 Thailand. Hello, hello, Brian in Thailand. Absolutely great stuff. He said, "Let's end the Manx and have an ice cream." So there you go. Uh, and Dave from Dave's LFC chats here. Great to have you with us. He says, "Let the juices flow." Yes, whatever juice, whatever tipple you're on these days. I'm on Turkish tea because I've just been to Turkey. For the summer as well, I've been away for a while. Turkey's absolutely beautiful country. I reckon everyone should go and visit. It's there. on my bucket list. Oh man, we were in we were in the um, the northwest in a place called Ivaluk, which is more of a, a destination for for Turkish tourists. They they All often right. go there more than international tourists, and it was like it was like paradise. It my parents paradise. used to go every year. It was marvelous for them, and my grand used to go to Ishmala. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a lovely country. So I brought back the tea because mm. they grow their own tea, but they don't export it. And it's like, uh, it's absolutely genius. So there you go. So that's my juices that's that awesome. are flowing. Uh, thanks to, for being with us. Um, and uh, there you go. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then Brian, he's, he's feeling regretful for his, uh, you know, for his comment about Manchester United saying, let's uh, let's end them. And he said, I forgot we have a good egg from the other side. So that's you. That's you, Reese. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I think we are going to get beat, but that's not what I'm predicting. I think we'll draw. But I do think, but just for the sense of it, like I can't ignore the fact that we probably will get beat because we just don't have the the additional quality. I, f I think we're going to get steamrolled. But I don't. I, I don't want to see that. Because the way that Rashford is basically barely a footballer anymore is something that is. You know that 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 would hurt a lot because he's such a great guy. Yeah. He's a he's, he's he's an absolutely brilliant uh, person, and you know, cred, credit to himself, his family, to the club, to Man United fans everywhere. Absolute credit to the club. But mm -hmm. no one's he hasn't improved. He's gone backwards. When I you know remember we all remember the nineteen year old. Marcus Rashford, 20-year-old Marcus Rashford. When Rashford played against you, like, oh my God, he was unpredictable. He was he was fiery, he was full yeah. of passion, he was scoring goals. And 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 now, Jack, look at him. I mean, Man United, they need they need attackers because Martial, I mean, Martial might as well go and I don't know, sell cars for a living or you know, become a barista at Starbucks or whatever. But you know, he could do what he wants. But he's not a footballer either. I don't know. They're 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 yeah. a mess. Sorry, Reese. Sorry. They're yeah. a mess. Rafford's probably one of the biggest enigmas in football now as well. I think it was a detriment. It sums up the modern modern day football in certain aspects, especially when they're not coached properly. I think he's played a lot of minutes, and I think in the next ten to fifteen years, well, obviously the data science behind all the the minutes people players. Just seeing Jack Wilshere retired at thirty years old, I think in the next ten fifteen years we'll see a lot more players retiring a lot earlier within their career due to the, the severe severity of how many minutes they play as a footballer and recovery. And I think Rashford, he's got all this pressure. Of, he's got Manchester United. Him and De Gea, like obviously, the, the, obviously De Gea played under Fergus in the back end of his career anyway, and he won the Premier League. He, he's, he knows what it means and what is needed to win a league title at Manchester United. But it's more or less the whole world of all the Man United supporters' pressure is on Rashford's shoulders coming in through a young age. Yes, you can talk about the performances on the pitch aren't as good and reacting, um, and obviously... It's difficult. The modern day era, we do find ourselves in with social media. Yes, it's easy to say, oh, they paid 300, 400k a week. You shouldn't be getting bothered about our social media, but it's difficult. The society we live in, but Rashford, there's a great, there's a great player in there, but we just haven't seen it for the last best part of like the last couple of years. And hopefully, well, not hopefully for our point of view, but in terms of Man United fans, hopefully they're thinking the. If Ten Hag can actually properly coach him and he sees a, a plan for him going forward because there's still a good player in there. He's still got his pace, I feel. Probably one of the fastest players in the Premier League. I know his injuries are probably 
had a bit of an impact in terms of his development as well. But if he can get his head straight, um, I think he's a player. That, how old is he? Is he still 25, 26? Because he, he, he seems. Is it 25? Yeah. He's 24. 24 well, yeah you know, even wow. still, that's, he's, he's played that's, he's played well over 300 professional games for football now yeah so that's mad that man still 24 that's still young in football in terms of it like so he's, even raheem sterling's just you know 25 26 so but yeah it, it's probably one of the as i said biggest enigmas in, especially in that man united team um that was a lot of them martial don't get i don't even understand why they signed them for monaco all those years ago I think it was similar with David De Gea's uh, agent all those years ago when they tried to sell him <laughs> with the fax machine and all that. I think uh, Martial's agent deserves a pay rise. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of pressure is on Rashford's shoulders, but that's what happens when you come to a big football club or you come through the academy as well. There's always going to be that pressure. A lot of players thrive in it and a lot of play players don't really. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, if I if I were you, Reese, I'd be I'd be praying for not just new attackers. You need Sancho. Yeah, he can come good. You can keep him uh, with a good coach. All is not lost. But Rashford, he looks looks like he's at least six months away from from recovering some kind of confidence and form. And you have to play him into that confidence and form. And it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to hard to do that. I would I would want at least two attacking signings and also a centre back. You've been linked with uh, Lissandro Martinez uh, from Ajax um, because at centre back Varane it was was no great shakes. I thought he'd be much more of a commanding presence in the Premier League, but he's been disappointing. Um, Maguire, of course, being the most expensive defender in the world. Is that still true? Good Lord. Still, and, still that, yeah. Wow, wow. Because um, obviously he's he, he he looked absolutely shot. And there's something that it's like um, a vicious circle because you've got all of this expectation and then all of this failure. And when things start to fail, the fans are getting on the players' backs and the players are not reacting well and there's there's discord in the team and there's discord in the stands. Yeah. Um, the fix, Reese, the fix is signings, right? You need young, hungry players, not necessarily household names, but good, talented players yeah. uh, who you can bring in and with positivity and they can bring positivity and yeah. quality. Uh, you need to identify the targets and you need to get them in, bring them into Manchester United. Yeah. Um, I mean, how how long will it take, in your opinion, Reese, for to get back to to challenging for uh, you know the top honours again? I'll be honest with you, I actually don't know. I don't think I can put a time scale on that because I just look. I've always wanted Man United to be run like one football club, and that's been run like Bayern Munich. For me, I think Bayern Munich are the best run club in football. The way they engineer everything, whether it be a player has to go, whether a player has to come in, who runs the club, who makes the key decisions, that for me is what I've always wanted at United. That's what I want. I don't know if... We're... I'm still unconvinced on Myrtle and Arnold, although there has been video leaks of Richard Arnold's conversation with with diehard Manchester United fans at a pub. They were actually going to protest outside his house. He actually got word of it um, very early and he met up and spoke to it. It got leaked online. He made some very interesting comments, especially regarding money that's been wasted over the, over the past nine years. Just about buying players, like money's there, but it's not being used. It's... Or Man United want to be Real Madrid 2.0 and do Galacticos, or do which is, or do you want to be a team that actually wants to build for long-term success? I prefer the long-term success. Obviously, I want something in the short term. I want like a couple of FA Cups, like a couple of League Cups. Like everyone still likes a bit of a trophy and obviously wants to go to Wembley and all that. A league title is. At the minute, we are. In terms of. History-wise, still the with Liverpool the best in England, but on a playing perspective, we're not even the, the fourth best club in England. 
in my opinion, in terms of a squad. I think in terms of who's ahead of us, Man City and Liverpool are obviously galaxies ahead. Chelsea, to a degree, still very strong, but they have their new owner who's willing to invest and he isn't afraid to put his money in. He isn't afraid to go to cl- clubs himself. Like Ted Bowley going to, to Juan Laporta's office himself in Barcelona for me is, for, the, for a Chelsea fan, if you're a Chelsea fan watching that and hearing that, that your owner has personally went you'd be well excited because that's somebody who generally gives a damn. And obviously, Paratici and Conte are are like that at Tottenham. I think they're ahead of us as well. I don't know about Arsenal. I think, I think we're on a similar level to Arsenal, but the only difference is I think they're just slightly bit further ahead in their project because they they gave the likes of Martinelli's, they gave Smith-Rowe, they gave Saka all those minutes last year. They've done the same for Nketiah, although Arsenal fans are a bit hit and miss on him because he's wearing a number 14 shirt. Like, who cares? Like, really, who cares what shirt number he wears as long as he does his job? <laughs> like, they, they're sli- I think they're slightly ahead, but I think we're equal, though, in terms of, like, squad. But I do think we've got the better manager. They just have they just have that little bit extra process with Arteta. But if they were to replace Arteta with a very proven manager, high-proven manager, you may see something different from them. But I, I would say we're fifth or sixth best in terms of quality in the league, in, in all honesty. But... In terms of signings, I agree. I do think Martinez has to come in, whether he's going to be used as a centre-back or a defensive midfielder. We need to get our fingers out and get De Jong, personally, because if we don't get De Jong, Ten Hag is screwed. Like For me, Ten Hag is... His team builds on certain players, and De Jong is that fulcrum. He doesn't get him. He can't sell for someone else like a, like a Ruben Neves, who doesn't make sense. He can't sell for a Yuri Tillemans, who will be gassed by the 55th minute. You need someone who actually fits the bill, and he does. If we don't get him, that's a massive that's a massive problem. Two attackers, I agree. I mentioned the fact I love Maia to be running by Bayern Munich. I would love for Maia to take a hit on Serge Gnabry. £35 million quoted right now by Bayern Munich. I think that makes excellent sense from a versatile perspective, but also it guarantees goals. And I do think we need a natural number nine as well, but I don't know what that's going to take. But... I think at the minimum, he, just even getting the top four, I think he needs five or six signings to challenge. He needs at least two, three years where it's his full control, where it's his players, not PR or shirt sellers. It has to fit the mould. If it doesn't, we're going to end up be looking for another manager in two and a half years' time if they don't give him what he wants. So, I, I, no, no, fairness, I don't know. Time skill. From from the outset, from the outside, I I totally agree with everything you're saying. You know, that's a very very good um, assessment in my opinion because it's it's something that will take time, and you really need to hit the jackpot. Um, I I doubt you'd attract Serge Gnabry because you know he's that's someone who's, yeah. who's who's going to want Champions League football, yeah. and you know, as you said, there's no guarantee United will even qualify for the Champions League. This coming season, but uh, back to, yeah, but you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, it, as it stands, I would I would say that you know, you're fighting with West Ham for seventh. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. at the moment, and uh, you know, there there are other teams who could who could even leapfrog you, depending on what you know what what happens at Newcastle and and, and other teams. But um, I agree. You know, moving moving back to 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 Liverpool. Jack, um, this season, okay, we brought in Fabio Carvalho, who you mentioned you're really excited to see. Me too. I mean, I loved his his interview for his unveiling where he said, he just said flat out, I want to be the best player in the world. I've got a lot to learn in order to get there, but I want to be number one. And I love that. I love that. Um, Great ambition, you know, determination, showing at a a young age. We brought in Darwin Nunes, who just... I. um, my heart just fluttered with excitement at Darwin. The thought of seeing him in, in Liverpool red is going to be beautiful. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost Sadio Mane, which is very sad. But given the summer that we've had so far, Jack, how close are we to be able to challenge? Because Man City, they brought in Erling Haaland, um, who may well bring them an extra four or five points a season. So you're looking at them maybe getting around about 97, 98 points again. Um, in your opinion, as it stands at the moment, can Liverpool get 98, 99 again, or do we need someone else? 
I think we can get a high point total really again, mate, but it's an accumulation of a lot of factors in it. I think I've spoke to you over the last 12 months. I think a lot of Liverpool fans agree to disagree in terms of the midfield situation, but I think it was a massive indication, indicating factor that James Milner did sign that contract extension. Um, as certain sections of the fan base, and quite rightly disagree with that, and obviously feel quite rightly, um, depends what side of the coin you're on, Liverpool need to go out and buy a, a fresh midfielder, but an elite-level midfielder that can hopefully complement Liverpool in terms of not just long-term, but the, the short-term aspirational goals as well. Um, the cover for the sixth position, in terms of Fabinho is injured. Obviously, Hendo, ideally, himself doesn't like that position, but Jürgen Klopp says it himself. Hendo's best, best position is the sixth position. And then we were very fortunate that Naby Keita quite stayed quite fit last year, weren't we? So uh, I think obviously the rehabilitation work is, and obviously the training regime has helped him. Joel Matip as well. Centre halves were sound defensively, absolutely probably in the one of the most strongest. Yeah, we are in the strongest period defensively. I've in my seventy, well, I was going to say seventy-two years, twenty-seven years of support in Liverpool. Um, seventy-two is quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be there and uh, hopefully I do reach that point very, very long time. But yeah, defensively with sound, mate, I think, obviously, there's always room to improve, but it's difficult, Owen, in it, Owen and, and, and everyone listening as well. When we're talking about small margins within seasons, has it been one point or two points that have separated Liverpool over the last three, four seasons? It, it's quite remarkable. And obviously that season where we were heavily depleted centre-halves, I think uh, it'd be hard stretch to see another club in Europe to that dealt with that situation better than Liverpool. And the fact that we've got Champions League football when we were playing Henderson and Fabinho in those centre-back positions, just said, it's detriment to Jürgen Klopp, mate. Yes, we can improve. I'd love us to go out and sign a, a, a Nicola Barella from Inter Milan or a Drew Bellingham. But as we've seen with Diaz, if, it's, if someone goes for one of our targets, Diaz... It's quite high, highly known that Diaz was a target for this summer window. But obviously, because Tottenham made a move in January, Liverpool went on a sit on the hands and let Spurs jump ahead of the queue. In reality, we went out, bought him. Obviously, I think Sardil probably told Jürgen Klopp and Liverpool that he was moving last summer. Well, last January anyway. So Liverpool took it upon themselves. So. I think if a player, if someone goes in for a target, whether that be Bellingham or whoever it is, the midfielder, um, and there's some rumours going around that Naby potentially could be getting a contract extension. I'm a bit on the fence, but I think as as you've spoken about my show, Owen, probably one of the best ball carrying midfielders Liverpool have got. <clears throat> if he can stay fit, he's a massive asset. And I think a Liverpool where to lose Naby over the next two years, if he, if he wasn't to sign a new contract, we'd lose quite a lot of money as well. And he's got, if he did sign that new extension, he's got a lot of sell-on value potentially if we were to get rid of him. But yeah, I think, as I said, it, we'll find out, Owen. Uh, hopefully we start the season and everyone listening, Liverpool will start the season off like a house on fire. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's crazy that we're even speaking about small margins We've all watched so many, all of us have watched so many football games and even the Champions League final, we absolutely battered Real Madrid, but that's football. Um, certain moments within games, you can get a sending off, an offside call, whatever it is. And But that's why we love football so much, because it's very unpredictable, as we know. <laughs> it is unpredictable. Um, and... Every season at the beginning of the season it is the time for optimism to be as optimistic as you can about your teams. Um, just a final question for you, Reese, is actually about Liverpool. I mean, as I said before, I, I do think City have improved. Uh, it's not, um, you know, yeah, I think most people would would agree with me with 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 Holland uh, joining them. So if they do get to, let's say, for example, ninety seven points this season in the Premier League. Do you think Liverpool can get 98 as it stands or, or are we just sort of kidding ourselves? Well, obviously for me, it's, <laughs> I, I would hope you don't. 
Because seeing Liverpool win trophies actually hurts me more than watching Man City. Unless Man City win the Champions League. That'll, that'll sting. But I don't know. I actually don't think the league is going to go that way this year. I don't think Liverpool or Man City will get above 94. I think I, don't, I think the strength of the league, the amount of money is being invested by teams, especially teams like the lower half, You'll still be expected to beat them, but I think the fact that they are going out, they are trying to spend money not to stop Man City or stop Liverpool, but they're trying to make the league more competitive for themselves, try like point to prove. I think the league this year will be, I think the, whoever wins the league this year, it'll be like 91, 92 points. I don't think it'll be, I still think you'll get above 90, but it's not going to be right the end of the 90s. I think you'll still push each other, but... I think the strength of the league and other teams, the fact the money's been invested, they'll have a point to prove, and that's where you'll see you'll see some games where Liverpool and Man City, where they will still hit like 20, 25 shots a game. They'll batter these teams, but then they'll lose 1-0. They'll lose 2-1. They'll draw 0-0. You will see that. And I think teams like Aston Villa, point to prove. West Ham, Still got to show why they're one of the best of the rest in terms of like the mid-table clubs. Everton, <laughs> they've got a point to prove that they're managed by somebody who can't manage a football, let alone kick one no, anymore. Ever- Everton are going down. Rich. I hope so, because it'd be so funny. If they do, it'll be funny. Um, I think the one... I think the one team that really will be interesting to watch is probably Newcastle. Just like w- what, where they come with the money they've, they've invested the summer. How... Eddie Howe's going to get the team going. Obviously, Wolves as well. Like They were brilliant last year under um, under Bruno Lage. Um, it's where they go now that's real telling point. Obviously, the strength of Tottenham, obviously, they'll probably do their own thing where they'll bottle it in March or something where that's them out. But Conte's a winner. He'll push his team. And we don't know what to expect from Chelsea. Like, we really don't know what to expect under Ted Bowie's first year's ownership. You won't expect Chelsea to win the league. But... The one thing that you will expect, though, is Chelsea will be in that top four and they will be, they'll probably win something like an FA Cup or a League Cup because Thomas Tuchel, he'll want to get that final hurt, like that final voodoo on him out. I mean, was it four finals Chelsea have lost and three of them were under Tuchel? That's something that has to change. <laughs> and obviously, Arsenal will be in the round, depending on what they do with Mikel Arteta. They'll be up there, like their young squad, it's, it's, you can't help but admit, like, even as a rival sense, like they are at times very entertaining to watch. They play some very good football, but their manager sucks. And where we are, I don't know what to expect from us, really. I, I can't really say, oh, we're going to go and finish the top four, because I don't. I think United will finish sixth, really. But I think we'll go far in the Europa League. I think that's going to be our, our aim, is to get... There's two routes to the Champions League. I think come February, March time, I think we'll put all our eggs in one basket and we'll go for the Europa League like what Jose Mourinho did in his first year. So that's why I don't think you still have that high point. I think it'll be 91-92, personally. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal, a player who looks really good from the outside is Fabio Vieira, who they signed for midfield, who could be really I good agree. I agree. But... Um, I <clears throat> Yeah, as yeah, as well. I mean, that's uh, that's something that um, is seen by a risk, seen as a risk um, by some people. They they say Gabriel Jesus uh, at Arsenal. You know, I mean, he misses a lot of shots, but I think he's a very good player as well. I think he might just, you know, find this mojo at Arsenal. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting, guys. I want to thank you so much uh, talking about all these. Uh, all these things, so many things to talk about. Copon is 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 up and running for season five. So thank you so much, Reese, and thank you so much, Jack. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to everybody in the comments as well. Um, Reese, do you have things to plug? Um, a cable. Hey, very good, very good. Scott, Scott, Scottish, Scottish humor is undefe- undefeatable. Um, for me, <laughs> not, not a lot really. Um, just my YouTube channel is also my Twitter, which is here, Devils Rising. I'm more of a still involved in like football streams. I'm more of a like my my channel is gaming, so like I don't want to bring my I don't want to bring football content in terms of like one to one conversations with that to my channel. It's not for me. Um, I like doing it on other channels, but my content is purely for gaming and just having fun. Um, I like doing these sort of conversations on other channels where it's, it's geared towards that and it makes more sense. 
and obviously I'm on the I'm on the weekly armchair sports talk as well. It's like that is a that is a sports channel I'm on, and that's something I'm proud to be on. Um, I'm one of the main hosts, and I've my own show on there. So, but other than that, not a lot really. Um, I'm just deeply honoured to be back on this one because it's been a very long time since so I've spoken to you, lads. So thanks very much for having me on. Oh, it's it, the pleasure's all ours. Thank you so much, Reese. And, and, and what about you, Jack? How uh, what's going on with you these days? Yeah, thank you once again. Echo what we said. Really appreciate you. Let me call him, mate. It's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, just Jack Mac TV. Everyone do tend to stream. Um, I, I was originally going live at six pm, but I will be going live at nine pm. I think that's more of a favourable time for everyone. But on my channel, mate. But uh, I will be getting you on this season, mate. Exciting season in the Reds as well. We'll be going again. Hopefully, we win the Premier League and Champions League. Um, or even we'll go for another quad run, won't we? Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you never know. Uh, but thank you once again, Owen. Great to speak to you again, Reese and everyone. Look after yourselves. That's listening. And uh, yeah, Footy's back very, very soon. Footy's back, exactly. And bringing you back to the poem right from the start by Rita Dove, as she so beautifully said, how good to rise in sunlight in the prodigal smell of biscuits, eggs, and sausage on the grill. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. You'll never walk alone, all of you. Thank you so much. <laughs>